Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is September the 17th, 2021. Uh, summer, <coughs> pardon me, wow. Summer almost over, and uh, the beat goes on. Uh, this administration keeps racking up one disaster after another, doing incredible harm. Um, and no one is making anybody accountable. That's probably the craziest part of all of this. I have frequently said that if Tom Clancy, one of my favorite authors, had written a novel before 9-11, <clears throat> predicting the attacks of 9-11 and everything that has happened since then, and you could certainly add to that all of the actions of the Biden administration, Clancy's editors would have said, you know what, Tom, it's time for you to hang it up. This is not believable. It's not believable. And yet it's happening. And the mainstream media refusing to do their jobs. And I'm forced to think back to 1979. And I just find it remarkable. Jimmy Carter had some kind of a thing going, I guess, with radical Islam brought Khomeini back to Iran. Iran was one of our strongest allies next to Israel in the Middle East. Khomeini was in exile in France. Carter made it possible for him to go back to Iran and take control of the government. And they promptly rewarded the United States and President Carter by seizing the embassy, taking 51 Americans hostage. But back then, boy, forgive me, back then, ABC News covered the seizing of the embassy and the hostage-taking every single night. After the evening news wrapped up in New York City at 11.30, a new program came on that came to be called Nightline. That was the beginning of Nightline. And every night, the announcer would come on and say, this is day 342, 343, whatever, and talk about where things stood. It didn't seem to be much concern about what political impact might be because that's not the job of the news business. <clears throat> the news is supposed to report the news. And by the way, I remember, and I've probably mentioned it before, back when I was a kid in high school, there was a Friday night news show that kind of summed up everything that had happened in the preceding week. And the announcer at the beginning of the program would come on and with that broadcast voice, say news i'm sorry history is the news that is worth remembering and i thought wow what a succinct and accurate way to describe the news well what we're seeing now is the rewriting of the news and consequently the rewriting of history as it suits the elite of america the democrat party used to be the party of the working american i'm a registered democrat because of that my dad was a construction worker My mom was an immigrant from Poland, got out ahead of the Holocaust. We were the demographic, basically, of of the Democrat Party back in the 60s. How in the world can the Democrat Party 
make any claim about being the party of working Americans when the Democrat Party seeks to overwhelm Americans with an unstopping flood of foreign workers into the country. It drives down wages, it displaces Americans and lawful immigrants, it jacks real estate through the roof. Everyone who comes here needs to have a place to stay, supply and demand, wages are going down, jobs are disappearing, cost of housing is headed to the stratosphere, and of course the media says, well, all these homeless people, they're on drugs, they're crazy, they're criminals. Many of them are Americans who thought they had done everything right. They thought they had done what they were supposed to do to be successful Americans. They went to college. They got degrees in programming and engineering and science. And then, aided by the politicians from both parties, including the Democrats, America invited in an army of foreign high-tech workers and displaced the Americans. Alan Greenspan testified for Chuck Schumer back on April 30th, 2009, on the issue of comprehensive reform, and, and Greenspan, with his mansions and w- immense wealth, had the chutzpah to refer to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite, complained bitterly that they were making way too much money because America was shielding them from foreign competition. Well, that's why we have immigration laws, to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. Go to Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182, and check out who we're supposed to keep out. Among the people on that list, aliens who would do the work uh, that Americans do and thus deprive them of jobs and suppress wages and make working conditions worse. What's wrong with that? You would think it's common sense. You'll be shocked, perhaps, to know that George W. Bush uh, would agree with Greenspan, and we'll get to Bush momentarily. So the point of the matter is that the laws that are supposed to protect us are being ignored by the Biden administration. They've been ignored by a succession of administrations on both sides of the aisle. These politicians have been bought and paid for. So they're doing what their bosses want. Their bosses are supposed to be the American citizens. This is supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. But you know that's not the case. Money talks and BS walks. And the money is coming from Silicon Valley and corporations and the American Immigration Lawyers Association and various churches and so-called nonprofits. I laugh when I hear the word nonprofit. <laughs> right, nonprofit. Uh, look at what their executives are and then tell me it's a nonprofit. This is such a betrayal. And then you have journalists and people on, on the right saying, how in the world do Americans fall for communism? I was listening to a program uh, with that conversation over at Fox not long ago. And the guy came on and he said, you know what? These are Americans who buy into communism are either Americans who refuse to take responsibility or people who, are, who hate America. Well, that's true to a point, but what he left out was the huge number of Americans who have lost their jobs, even though they were eminently qualified for those jobs, may have been doing them for decades, found themselves on the unemployment line, unable to support themselves. And when someone comes along and says, I can help you out, well, it's hard to turn down that offer of a rope when you're drowning in in the ocean or you're sinking into the quicksand. These are disenfranchised and disillusioned Americans who say, listen, something has to be better than what we've got now. 
And then, of course, the schools haven't taught what communism is about either for decades. I remember it was part of the curriculum when I went to school. We learned of the horrors of communism, but they don't teach that anymore. They teach about how bad Americans are, especially if you happen to be a white male. And um, the DHS thinks that white extremists are the biggest threat to American security. I would argue any extremist. When you look at the riots in the cities where businesses were burned to the ground and people were shot and stabbed and wounded and raped, and then the media and the left call those peaceful demonstrations, it takes my breath away. I'd like to know what the definition of peaceful is. What happened on January 6th was inexcusable. It was terrible. It really was. But insurrection? And to my knowledge, nobody who was arrested had any weapons on them in terms of firearms, but this is called an insurrection. If I'm wrong, correct me. But I have not seen reports of guns being seized by, from the insurrectionists. Now, I could be wrong. But nevertheless, the only shot fired that I'm aware of was the shot that killed that woman. I believe her name was Ashley Babbitt, the Air Force um, um, you know, she had been in the Air Force, the Air Force veteran who was unarmed and shot to death by a Capitol Police officer. And he admitted, I saw the interview, <clears throat> that he couldn't see the woman's hands, <clears throat> didn't know what was in her backpack, and didn't know what was in her mind. But he claimed he was scared. Well, <clears throat> if you're in law enforcement, there are days you are scared. And I don't mind telling you, I spent 26 years on the street as a special agent. And there are days when you're scared. It doesn't result in pulling the trigger. The pulling of that trigger is only justified if you have probable cause, if you can articulate a credible fear that your life or someone else's life is in imminent danger or that you or someone else is at risk of serious bodily harm. Somebody pulls out a gun, a baseball bat, a knife, that's understandable. According to that cop, he couldn't see her hands. Okay, what does that mean? Did he see a weapon? No, he couldn't see her hands. So he was scared, so he pulled the trigger. Wow. And his identity was shielded for months. And now we get to a USA Today article that was published on September 11th of this year. The headline, when I saw it, took my breath away. Fasten your seatbelt. This is USA Today. Here's the headline. Children of the same foul spirit, in quotation marks. Children of the same foul spirit. Guess who said it? George W. Bush compares violent domestic extremists to the 9-11 terrorists. USA Today. Let me read this to you. Former President George W. Bush compared domestic and foreign extremists Saturday, <clears throat> seeming to liken the insurrectionists to attack the U.S. Capitol on January 6th to the 9-11 hijackers and calling on Americans to confront the growing threat from both groups. Does that not take your breath away? But it gets worse. This is a quote. Quote. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home, unquote, Bush said during a speech at the Flight 93 Memorial in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, quote, but in their disdain for pluralism and in their disregard for human life and their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same 
foul spirit. Defile national symbols? Wow. How about all the statues that were torn down by Black Lives Matter and the extreme left, Antifa? He doesn't talk about them. He's talking about what happened on January 6th. Now, understand, I am 100% unequivocally opposed to any violence to achieve any political objective. If you have a problem with an issue, go out there and demonstrate, but demonstrate peaceably. First Amendment, the right to peaceable assemblage. I'm 100% in support. Peaceable. It wasn't peaceable. But again, to compare January 6th to 9-11, 3,000 people killed immediately and thousands have since died, it takes my breath away. But it gets worse. As those hawkers on TV would say, but wait, there's more. This is again quoting from the article. His, meaning George W. Bush's remarks Saturday, marked 20 years since the 9-11 attacks when United Airlines Flight 93 crashed into a field after passengers fought against the plane's hijackers, causing it to miss its intended target in Washington, D.C. Quote, it is our continuing duty to confront them, Bush added. Look to the skies and remember, as former President Bush reminds Americans of unity after 9-11. The Republican former president's comments came eight months after the deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol when a mob of then-President Donald Trump supporters tried to stop the certification of the 2020 election results establishing President Joe Biden's election victory. Bush has been critical of the events that occurred eight months ago, saying that the assault made him, quote, sick to my stomach, unquote, and calling it an attack on democracy. The former president said in March, in a March interview for the SXSW conference, that he was disgusted to see our nation's capital being stormed by hostile forces. But Bush also did not mince words about the Republican Party in the months following the January 6th attack, describing the party he once led as isolationist and nativist during an April interview with CBS News. Nativist. Huh. And here's another quote. When it comes to the unity of America, those days seem distant from our own, Bush said Saturday. So much of our politics has become a naked appeal to anger, fear, and resentment that leaves us worried about our nation and our future together. Nativist, by the way, if you look it up, is a person who puts the citizens of a country ahead of the immigrants. Nativist, sign me up. And my statement isn't one of being opposed to immigration. I was very happy as an immigration officer. Uh, I remember, I was an inspector, I was an adjudications officer, and then I spent 26 years as a special agent. I was delighted when I could, pro- I could approve applications for green cards. I was delighted when I could admit aliens into the United States so they could vacation, be tourists, be students, um, foreign workers, whatever. I was happy to say, welcome to the United States. It wasn't about, oh, my God, i got to let this guy in, unless I had a strong feeling that the person was going to come violate the law. And back in the early 70s, when I was an inspector, the biggest concern we had then was that they would work illegally, which meant that they would take a job that should go to an American. But if I thought that the people were on the level and everything was fine, and that was the case 95% of the time, maybe more, I was happy. Welcome to America. Why not? 
I'm first-generation American. I have no problem with people coming legally as long as the numbers don't overwhelm our environment, our economy, our schools, etc., our infrastructure. I'm happy to admit people if they're not criminals or terrorists or drug dealers or child molesters. My position isn't anti-immigrant, it's pro-enforcement. But again, I tell you, go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, and it lays out who was supposed to keep out of the country. Aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases. Think about COVID. Now, look at what's happening on the Mexican border. Right now, there is a record number of illegal aliens who are staging along the Mexican border. It's believed most are from Haiti. And what no one's really talking about, for those networks that even talk about that, is while the Border Patrol is bogged down with all these aliens, we don't know who's coming in, who might be coming here for truly nefarious purposes. We also don't know if these aliens have been inoculated or if they have COVID. Now, I find this really remarkable. You have President Biden saying that every American needs to get vaccinated. Now he's trying to push booster shots. And it turns out that the... the um, <laughs> The the, um, experts in the field are saying, no, boosters are unnecessary except if your immunity system has been compromised or you're above the age of 65. But Biden has been pushing everyone needs a booster, everyone needs a mask, on and on and on. We need to attain herd immunity. And if we have people out there who haven't been vaccinated, you're endangering everybody. Okay? Meanwhile, he's happy to allow hundreds of thousands of unvaccinated aliens flood into the country, and then the Border Patrol is acting like the final element of the most massive human trafficking organization in the history of the United States by taking them to bus terminals, train stations, airports, God knows where, and dispersing them across the country. Illegal aliens. They're not properly vetted. We don't know who they are, and we don't know what their medical situation is. So you're allowing people who might be sick, who haven't been vaccinated, to flood into into America hundreds of thousands a month, while at the same time Americans are being threatened by the administration so that if you don't get vaccinated, you work for the federal government, you're a contractor for the federal government, we're going to fire you. Really. So you're that concerned about COVID, but you're allowing a human tsunami of aliens from all over the world to flow into the country who may well be sick with COVID or other dangerous diseases. And that's what Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182 states. We are not to admit them. We're not to admit aliens who have severe mental illness and are violent or child molesters, rapists, that sort of thing. We're not supposed to let in criminals or terrorists or spies or drug traffickers or human traffickers. We're not supposed to let in aliens who, if they came, would become a public charge, or if they worked, would displace American workers or drive down wages. There's nothing in the law about race or religion. It's about protecting America and Americans. American Americans. And George Bush says, well, nativists. Yeah, right. Countries should look after their own citizens before they worry about anybody else. We take it for granted in America that you go into the kitchen or you go into the bathroom, you turn on the faucet, and by God, you have drinking water and hot water for a bath or a shower. Over, I, I think the figure was over a billion people. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Don't call me out for this. But it's a huge number. Human beings 
<clears throat> who don't have access to clean water, don't have access to hot water, don't have access to electricity. Don't have access to electricity. Are we supposed to bring the entire world to the United States and say that's how we're going to solve world hunger? Of course not. It's ridiculous. It wouldn't work. We would bankrupt America, and if America sinks, guess who's waiting in the wings? China, Russia, and Iran. What could possibly go wrong? But that's where we are. Bush calling people like me nativists and isolationists, neither is true. Well, I mean, the, the nativist part is I'm not an isolationist. I'm just saying that our government should be making the priority the citizens of our country. And America has the most diverse population of any country that I'm aware of. So this isn't a statement of racism. It's just a statement of saying, listen, the way we say a pledge to the flag and to the republic for which that flag stands, although the Democrats apparently don't like to say that pledge any longer because they're globalists, but understand, a relationship is supposed to be two ways. My mom said to me, one-sided relationships aren't relationships. Americans are responsible to follow the laws. Americans are responsible to pay their taxes. But the government bears a responsibility to we, the people, to protect us. Part of the tax money goes for the military, for national defense. How in the world could Bush make that statement? Well, I'll tell you how. The way that he created the Department of Homeland Security after 9-11 made it clear that he was a globalist, and I've talked about it before. I was at a hearing in 2005 where Sheila Jackson Lee chastised Bush for not hiring all the agents that he was given the money to hire. That's ICE agents and Border Patrol agents. Bush was given enough money to hire 800 new ICE agents. He cut it to 143. He was given enough money to hire 2,000 Border Patrol agents. He cut that to 210. He was given enough money to hire 8,000 or to purchase 8,000 detention beds. He cut that to under 2,000. Why? And Jackson Lee said, what are you doing? This is dangerous. We need those laws enforced. Our safety is on the line. I wonder what happened to Sheila. So think about it. George W. Bush, in a very real sense, before the Democrats wanted to defund law enforcement, George W. wanted to defund law enforcement, particularly if it was immigration law enforcement. Isn't that remarkable? They were never supposed to divide Customs and Border Protection from ICE. It was supposed to be seamless. That was the advice they gave Congress, because not only did I testify before hearings, but I was working with staffers over at the House uh, Judiciary Committee and with some folks over in the Senate side as well. They were never supposed to fold customs in with immigration. ICE is Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Customs has nothing to do with immigration. And, and you had the same thing at the airport, mixing in not only customs with immigration, but agriculture. And ICE also includes the Sky Marshals, also includes Secret Service, also includes ATF. What do they have to do with immigration? The answer is nothing. And then John Hostetler, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, who had the, the chutzpah, the, the, the moral fiber to stand up and said, wait a minute, what are you doing? This is crazy. You're undermining national security, meaning Bush was. And he said, we need to be hiring people to run these agencies who have immigration background because almost everybody in a leadership position, with a couple of exceptions, under Bush, had zero immigration background. It was a blatant effort to destroy the enforcement of our immigration laws when he was the president. 
So apparently, if you're a nativist, if you want to put Americans first, George Bush hates you, which might be why he was so adamant in his opposition to Trump, because Trump talked about Americans first. And I've always said that that should be the case, Americans first. Lunacy. Lunacy. So now you have a meltdown on the southern border. And again, as I've mentioned elsewhere, we don't know what's happening with people getting visas who shouldn't be getting visas and people being admitted to ports of entry who shouldn't be getting admitted because it seems as though Joe Biden has never met an illegal alien he didn't embrace. Insane. Why would you want to allow people into the country who are sick while you're demanding that Americans get vaccinated and wear masks? Why would you want to bring in an army of foreign workers when you're talking about Build Back Better? And I wrote about that for Front Page Magazine, and I said Bush's, I'm sorry, Biden's Build Back Better is bunk. It's interesting, they both have the letter B at the beginning of their name, B as in BS perhaps. This is nuts. This is sheer madness. And if you look at what the 9-11 Commission had to say, they warned about immigration failures that led to the attacks, not only of 9-11, but other terrorist attacks. So now we're inundated on the southern border. They're getting in. They're getting in. Never mind the court said that you can't stop, uh, you, that, that Biden had no right to end the Remain in Mexico policy. The courts don't apply to Biden. The laws don't apply to Biden. The Congress... This is all about a tyrannical regime. Everyone said, oh, Joe Biden's a nice guy. No, he's not. He's a con man. Con artists, I can tell you this from many years in law enforcement, do not come across like dirtbags. Because if they did, you wouldn't trust them. The idea of a con artist is to get your confidence so that you feel good about them. Madoff was another dirtbag con artist. So they smile at you, and how are you, and how's the family, and they probably have a list of every person's spouse and their children. So it sounds to the person, boy, this guy really pays attention. Hey, Charlie, how's your wife, Janet, and how are your two little kids, Bobby and, 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 and Jane, right? And he says, wow, and, 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 and that French poodle of yours, how, how's, how's, how's you know, so-and-so doing? Yeah, because he has it all written down, so it sounds like he really cares about you. It's a con game. It's a con game. And now the gloves are off. He's where he wants to be, and he's basically telling Americans to go to hell. Screw off. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Here's the question that I'd like someone to ask these politicians, and I don't care what party. They could be with the Hopping Kangaroo Party. How is what you are doing in the best interests of America and Americans? Don't tell me what the immigrants want. We know what they want. We know what they want. And I feel bad for many of them. They are victims of the corruption of their own government, and now we are falling victims of the corruption of our government. But goodness gracious, don't tell me what they want. They only want a better life. Great. But if you keep bringing too many people in, we overwhelm the schools. We overwhelm transportation. We're running out of water in the Midwest. Right? So what do you do when you don't have enough water? You bring more people in. What do you do if you don't have more jobs? You bring more workers in. Does that make any sense to anybody? It's the same mentality we had with Afghanistan. Instead of holding the military in place to the end, he moved them out first. He got the sequence screwed up. Boy, oh boy, could you imagine if Mr. Biden was a, a, a parachute instructor 
and he tells the people, pull your ripcord after impact. Pull your ripcord after impact. Well, isn't that what happened? And now we have a drone strike that killed, it, it sounds like, 10 innocent people. And initially, Milley and Biden, oh, this is great. We have over-the-horizon capability. We don't need boots on the ground. We know exactly what we're doing. Yes, we just killed a family. An aid worker was, was blown up by a drone. And I don't always agree with Rand Paul. I don't always agree with anybody, actually. And we're, we're allowed to disagree. But I can't get out of my mind what Rand Paul said during a hearing questioning the administration about the drone strike. And he said he was asking Blinken about this, winking, blinking, and nod. He asked Blinken, do you know who you killed? And Blinken said, well, we're investigating it. And the look on Rand Paul's face was priceless. He said, don't you think you should know who you are droning before you take them out? Or you off them. That was the term he used. Before you off them, shouldn't you do the investigation before you off them, not after? Just like shouldn't you have left the military in place so you could get the the, the, the civilians and your equipment out? Shouldn't you know who you were aiming at before you pulled the trigger? Shoot, ready, aim seems to be the order of business for the Biden administration. Now, think about it. They killed a bunch of civilians, which is going to raise more animosity in Afghanistan, the last thing we needed. Killed an innocent family, which is horrific. I can't even imagine. But these are the people that we're going to rely on to vet the refugees that are coming our way. And when you see that open southern border, and, you know, I've spoken about this many times. There's been hearings about how Hezbollah, which is a terrorist organization that is directed and funded by Iran. Hezbollah has tens of thousands of operatives all over Latin America working with human traffickers and drug smugglers to move drugs and people into the United States, including sleeper agents. So let's connect the dots. I pray to God there's no future terror attack out of this, but I cannot tell you that I'm confident that we won't pay a hell of a price for what Biden did. He made us more vulnerable today, in my judgment, than we have ever been. The 19 hijackers were armed with box cutters. Now the terrorists will be armed to the teeth, including night vision. Imagine how that would be helpful to aliens sneaking into the United States in the dead of night along the Mexican border or the Canadian border or whatever. And guns and ammo. Oh, the weapons are going to degrade over time. Right. And when the car runs out of gas, we get rid of the car. And if the car has a flat tire, you throw it off the cliff. They showed these airplanes with flat tires. Well, that's the end of that airplane, sure thing. And now all China has to do is come in with their choppers, and they can explore and examine and dissect our military equipment in great detail to reverse engineer our, our equipment to figure out what our vulnerabilities are and to make better equipment than we have, and it'll cost them next to nothing because America did the research and development, the R&D, that they don't have to bother with. Brilliant. So you've got a wide-open border down south. The Border Patrol is occupied playing nursemaid to the illegal aliens. There is no enforcement within the interior. So what's to prevent the terrorists from using night goggles on the border, bringing weapons with them, from that $80 billion 
dollar on cash that Mr. Biden saw fit to leave behind in Afghanistan and come to America and carry out deadly attacks. What's to prevent it? Hezbollah would certainly love to get these people into our country, and they are armed to the teeth. And it's easy for them to be claiming that they're somebody they're not, because one of the other things that, in his brilliance, uh, to rush us out of Afghanistan, that bums rush, is they left behind the biometric records of all the cooperators who cooperated with our government, which puts them and their families in imminent danger of torture and death. And now the bad guys know what identities to assume falsely so they can get through the vetting process. So they can get through the vetting process. Alejandro Mayorkas, who runs DHS and is in charge of doing the vetting, has ordered his people in the past to approve everything, get to yes. They can come here with fake names that relate back to people that did work with us. They have access to these weapons. What's to prevent them from coming here and killing a bunch of Americans? In fact, they were saying that there was an imam at a mosque in Kabul this evening as services began, chanting death to America and celebrating how they had beaten America, that America surrendered to the Taliban. America surrendered to the Taliban. That is the message being flashed around the world. It wasn't America, folks. It was Joe Biden who surrendered America for us. And Donald Trump was impeached for a phone call. I don't understand how members of Congress, irrespective of party, are jumping up and down and saying, there's got to be accountability. There's got to be accountability. There should be hearings, and there should be perhaps an impeachment. They've got to assemble all the evidence and look at it and say, is this reasonable? Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution states that the states of the United States are to be guaranteed a Republican form of government and protection against invasion and domestic violence. I would argue that what's happening on the Mexican border and perhaps elsewhere constitutes an invasion. You want to talk about the constitutionality of Biden's actions? I would argue that he has created an invasion. And that is in direct opposition to Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution. It violates the findings or recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. The executive summary of the final 9-11 Commission report includes this excerpt. I want to read this to you. This is the 9-11 Commission staff report. I'm sorry, 9-11 Commission report. Um, And, you know, I gave testimony to the 9-11 Commission. So here it goes. Permeable borders and immigration controls. This is right out of the executive summary of the 9-11 Commission report. There were opportunities for intelligence and law enforcement to exploit al-Qaeda's travel vulnerabilities. Considered collectively, the 9-11 hijackers included known al-Qaeda operatives who could have been watchlisted, presented passports manipulated in a fraudulent manner, presented passports with suspicious indicators of extremism, made detectable false statements on visa applications, and made false statements to border officials to gain entry into the United States and violated immigration laws while in the United States. Neither the State Department's counselor officers nor the Immigration and Naturalization Services inspectors and agents were ever considered full partners in national counterterrorism efforts. Protecting borders was not a national security issue before 9-11. Wow. And what do we now have? Open borders, 
the order for ICE agents to stand down. Alejandro Mayorkas at the helm, the guy that told everybody approve all these applications for visas and immigration benefits. And I just read to you what the 9-11 Commission said. Mayorkas is operating in direct opposition to the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. Why is he not being made accountable? Why is the administration not being made accountable? And earlier today, uh, Fox News reported that they were ordered to ground their drone on the Mexican border, allegedly for safety reasons. So then they showed footage of um, from, from the police helicopters being operated by, by the Department of Public Safety uh, in Texas. They went up with a camera. And then they, Fox News applied to be able to put their drone back up, and the FAA finally said, okay, you can fly your drone again. Because they were smart. They went to the police and said, you're going to go up, we're going to go with you with a camera, and they were happy to do it because they're overwhelmed, including sheriffs who work for Democrat mayors. Because they're overwhelmed. They understand the danger. But what is Biden doing about it? Nothing. Encouraging more illegal aliens, overwhelming the system to the breaking point on the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2001. I lived through 9-11. My neighbors died. The ashes landed on my house, and I am not the same. Nobody who was here is the same. And I watched the reading of some of the names. It goes on forever. And it breaks your heart. I, I, I'll tell you what. This is, I, I'll, I'll just confess. On 9-11, every year I find myself crying and spending a good part of the day crying. It brings back terrible memories. And then I see these children who were babies or children who were born after their father died or their uncle died or their grandfather died and talking about how they wish they had known them. It rips my guts out. On a personal note, I lost my first wife to cancer when our son was 22 months old. He has no recollection of his mother and and it eats me alive. I'm, I'm remarried. My wife is wonderful. We have children together. But my son from my first wife has no memory, and it was because of cancer. And that sort of thing happens tragically. But 3,000 people were slaughtered because America let its guard down on 9-11, and now we refuse to learn those lessons. Stop and think of the enormity of what I just said to you. The whole point to the 9-11 Commission was to figure out what went wrong so that we wouldn't be burned by the same fire. And it almost as though Biden looked at the 9-11 Commission report, and just like he did everything bass-ackwards in Afghanistan, you know, instead of ready-aim fire, it was fire, ready-aim. He's looking at that report and says, okay, what shouldn't we do? Let's do it. And what should we do and let's not do it? That's where we are right now. And because I gave testimony at so many hearings and I do so much media, people say to me, well, Mr. Cutler, do do you think we're at risk? How would you assess the risk of another terror attack? And I'm going to tell you what I've told them. In my judgment, the risk has never, ever been higher than it is tonight as I speak to you. This doesn't give me any kind of pleasure, okay? What it does do is keep me awake at night. And I want a goddamn explanation why this is happening. I want someone to say, this is the rational process, the thought process behind what we are doing. 
I want it explained to me. How does it make sense to inundate America with aliens who are likely sick when we're being told we have to be vaccinated and wear masks or else, or else, when we go through hell to get on an airplane because of concerns about hijackers and we're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens whose identities can't be verified. Car bombs and truck bombs are the big concern. But governors from states around the country are giving licenses to people who can't prove who they are. I want someone to explain that to me. I want someone to ask a simple question. How are these actions in the best interest of Americans? Don't tell me how it's good for the immigration lawyers who don't know what to do with all the money that they're raking in because they've got a line of clients out into the parking lot. Both parties, immigration lawyers, are rolling in dough because we are rolling in illegal aliens thanks to Joe Biden. They must love him to death from both parties if you wonder why the Republicans didn't want to help with the wall. They don't give a damn about America. If they did, they would understand that this endangers our lives and the survival of our nation. I just read to you what was from the 9-11 Commission. How do you ignore that? I keep making the same point. The immigration system has become a delivery system. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, and I promise you there's no compassion in exploitation. There's no, there's no compassion in destroying jobs and wages for American workers. It delivers an unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students. We're educating the people who are spying on us, including China and Iran and others. And then we're dealing with an unending supply of clients for immigration law firms. And that's what this is about. And now Biden wants to do an end run around the legislative process, going to the parliamentarian and the Senate, Hey, can we give out 8, green, 8 million green cards? And by the way, once you legalize those 8 million, they can bring in all their kids. And in Afghanistan, they're saying that the average refugee will probably want to bring in seven people. Up until I've been talking about four kids per alien, if you remember my earlier programs. So let's say we, we do the 8 million, Biden says, and the numbers will just keep growing. But let's say 8 million. And let's say, just like in Afghanistan, on average, they each want to bring in seven kids or seven family members. Well, you're looking at close to 60 million, right? Where do we put them? How does America cope with that? No interviews are possible. No field investigations are possible. And not all terrorists show up on a terror watch list. Everyone's all fascinated. Oh, my God, this guy was on a terror watch list. Well, fine. But most terrorists aren't on that watch list. Some are. But sleeper agents aren't. And many of these terrorists are in their early 20s. That's for a reason. Because, number one, ideologically... They've bought into all the crap they've been spoon-fed in radical madrasas. But number two, at that age, they're physically vibrant and at their greatest strength. And number three, they're so young that they don't have a documented track record. They don't show up on the radar scope. They are operating in stealth mode. They are the ideal terrorists. And generally, when you're looking at terrorists, they're from like 20 to mid-30s. And that's what the 9-11 hijackers were. If you want to do profiling, God forbid you should do profiling. So you have heavily armed thousands of terrorists operating in Afghanistan, emboldened by the fact that we surrendered to them, 
basically. Biden did it on our behalf. How wonderful. They think that they are really messengers from God. It's emboldened them, and they think they would really be doing God's work if they killed lots of Americans. Death to America isn't just an idle chant. They're dead serious, deadly dead serious. And Biden has encouraged them, aided them, abetted them, and armed them. Think of what I just said to you. I don't know any other way of putting it. I don't know whether we should have gotten out of Afghanistan or not. Maybe we could have pulled out some of our troops, but not all of our troops. But certainly, pulling out the military before you got the civilians out and before you got the weapons out and before you secured those prisoners is an act of insanity or an act of national suicide. I'm not sure which one it is with Biden. He's a hard read. But no one is asking him to explain how his actions are in the best interest of this country or the citizens of this country. Is that not a reasonable question? We know that George W. Bush is probably happier than a clam, and I'd love to know why. I'd love to know why. I don't think America has ever been in a situation like this. I don't know how in the world we got here. Part of it, I guess, is because we, the people, have been lazy and negligent and didn't rein in our employees, these imperious politicians. It's all about power. You know, as an agent, I had a job description, and I got evaluated every year. And in the evaluation were critical elements. You know, you had to demonstrate especially when I was at the Drug Task Force, that you were working with other agencies, that you were identifying potential criminal charges that could be brought against targets of narcotics investigations, that you made a certain number of arrests, that you seized a certain amount of property, that you participated in surveillances and the cultivation of informants. It was, it was a very detailed uh, and, and really um, task-heavy of situation. We were senior agents. We were the equivalent of a supervisor, but we didn't supervise anyone. We were senior agents. So we had to do a lot of heavy lifting, and rightfully so, and I enjoyed it. It was challenging work, and we were getting the bad guys off the street. And the bad guys were funding terrorism and the cartels, so how much better than that does it get? I used to joke that it was the most fun you could have with your clothes on, taking these people off the streets. I'd like to know what's in the job description of the average politician. What's their critical elements? It really does not seem that they give a rat's tail about governance. They certainly don't seem to give a rat's tail about what's best for Americans. I mean, there are a couple of isolated politicians that at least maybe, sort of, you might think they are. But do you think what Joe Biden is doing demonstrates that his job description says, look out for what's good for Americans? Certainly George W. Bush didn't think that because he said, you're a nativist if you do that, and then you're wrong, you're evil. Maybe we're part of, of, of his group of evildoers, the nativists, right? The evildoers. The guy that got us off in these wars that, you know, of questionable value, that got lots of people killed and injured and spent tons of money. Evildoers. Now we are nativists. Oh, my gosh. We want to look out for our fellow American. What the hell are you thinking? Really? But I'd love to know what the job description and how we would to evaluate politicians. How many times have you looked to enact legislation 
that protected American lives, protected American health, protected the jobs of American workers, protected national security. Because from what I see from Biden, he'd get big fat goose eggs for each category. Opening our borders to anybody who could walk, crawl, or fly certainly flies in the face of national security, public safety, and public health. Flooding America with all those foreign workers who want to send money out of the country destroys wages and jobs for Americans and hurts our economy. And flooding America with all those people jack real estate prices through the roof, and we wind up with more homeless Americans. So I'd love to know what kind of an evaluation we should use to evaluate our politicians. Isn't that a novel thought? Maybe we should devise an evaluation just for the fun of it and say, well, this is what the evaluation should look like. And then you could see that these people literally are a bunch of zeros, total, unforgivable zeros. We need to bring in the workers that will do the jobs Americans won't do. Yeah, we heard that from Bush. We heard it from all of them. Folks, Americans will do any job. Just give them a living wage, for God's sakes. Let them earn a living wage. It's a terrible situation, and in part we're to blame because we allowed them to get away with it. My father, I keep coming back to it, said you teach people how they should treat you by demonstrating what you're willing to accept. Why in the world have we been willing to accept this garbage, the insults about the work Americans won't do? My dad was a construction worker. I carried him off his job his last day of work as he was dying of lung cancer. He was 57. And he got cancer in part because he smoked those blasted Chesterfield cigarettes. I used to call them blow torches. I hated them. Whenever I inhaled the smoke, it felt like my chest was on fire. I don't know how he smoked them. But he also worked in the Navy shipyards during the Second World War to contribute to the war effort. Because his brother was already in the military, and they wouldn't take my dad because of the Sullivan brothers. For those of you not familiar with the Sullivan brothers, they were five brothers from the same family who died on one ship when it was hit. And the government of the United States said, from now on, we will not allow the sole surviving male member of a family to serve in the military because if he's killed, then the family name ends. Family names meant something back then. Integrity meant something back then. And nobody ever suggested that those men in the military suffered, suffered, some toxic masculinity. Wow. We've lost our minds. And, you know, it's funny because if you watch television, I was just watching You Bet Your Life. Groucho Marx used to be on that program um, back in the 50s. Well, now they've, they've got You Bet Your Life uh, all over again, and it's on Fox News, and it's very funny, but it's a throwback to the 50s. And if you look at the color schemes at ABC at uh, – Wheel of Fortune, it looks like something from the 70s. And then they brought back, you know, the, was it the $100,000 pyramid and press your luck. Everybody knows Americans were longing for the way things were decades ago, before America was sold down the river by the people that we elected to represent us. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? A couple of loudmouth wackaloonies are out there making a lot of noise, and they get the attention of the media, and people think, oh, well, that must be where most Americans' heads are at, and it isn't. The problem with the news is that there's a saying that says if it bleeds, it leads. 
You know, if dog bites man, it's not a story, but if man bites dog, well, that's a story. It's like the misbehaving child, you know. Negative attention is better than no attention. The average American wants to see the American dream reinstated for American citizens and our children. The average American wants to see politicians live up to their oaths of office. The average American wants to live in a country that's as secure as we can make it, where the American dream is not some elusive concept, but something that is attainable for an American who's working to work hard and benefit from a little bit of luck. And then you hear from the conservatives, well, you know, these people, they just don't want to take responsibility. Well, maybe they've lost their jobs through no fault of their own because corporations are flooding America with foreign workers. It's a dangerous situation, and we the people need to sit down with our neighbors. We need to have conversations, not accusations, keep it calm and fact-based, but explain to them there is nothing wrong with wanting to create the kind of situation that existed in America decades ago when the average family could afford a house, two cars in the driveway, send their child to school, and even go to vacation. That's going away. The purchasing power is <laughs> shrinking by the moment as inflation goes through the roof. And the worse the conditions get, the more that desperate Americans will be willing to turn to communism. And the greedy on the right don't even see it because they're too busy trying to make more profit at every opportunity. I'm all about profit, provided it's not ill-gotten and you don't hurt people to get there. And you don't hurt people to get there. We really have to get the politicians to understand that we're not the idiots that they've been playing us for. We have to have our voices heard. And if Facebook and Twitter and all that other junk won't do it, that's fine. Let's go back to the old-fashioned way, you know. But we've got to communicate with our neighbors because I'm going to tell you right now, the facts, common sense, the laws, and morality and morality are all on our side. And we can disagree about different issues. I, I've gone to rallies where it was a straight conservative, you know, they had their list. Immigration should not be part of any list like that because immigration in and of itself impacts basically every challenge and threat that America and Americans face. Immigration impacts public safety and national security and public health and the economy and unemployment and critical infrastructure and education. What doesn't it impact? But the trick is to have the guts to stand up and when people say, oh, you're a nativist, look them in the eye and you go, you're damn right I am. What are you going to do about it? What am I, a fool? The 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel had an interesting quote at the very beginning of the preface to that report. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. And prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. I mean, if they couldn't figure that out, what were they doing? The mission of immigration, the mission of the Border Patrol and ICE is a follow-on to the military. The military's primary mission, folks, 
is to keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. But up close and in person, guess who gets that assignment? The Border Patrol and ICE. How could you not understand that if you allow terrorists in, they're going to hurt you? We lock our doors at night. What geniuses have we been employing in our government? No agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal? And it goes on and says, indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, for reasons we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. Okay, and what is Biden doing about it, and why is no one standing up in the media and saying, look, this is what the 9-11 Commission had to say. Here we are, the 20th anniversary. And he says, oh, the situation's changed. They're in Yemen, and they're in this country and that country. Yes, that might be true, but they want to be here. And how are they going to come here? Well, you know, I, I wrote a piece a long time ago. You know, one if by land, two if by sea. Paul Revere had it very easy. There are so many ways of getting into the United States today that you couldn't possibly fit all those lanterns in the old North Church, and if you lit them at the same time, you'd probably set the church on fire. But interior enforcement of the immigration laws is a good starting point, as as well as border security. And we're getting none of that in a very dangerous era where Biden has turned thousands of terrorists loose and provided them with $80 billion in weaponry. By the way, there was just a news release two days ago from the Justice Department about some individual who was an Iranian national who's been indicted for selling military equipment that's going back to Iran. So he's going to go to jail. We gave tens of billions of dollars in military hardware to the Taliban, and no one's being punished. We couldn't blow it up. We couldn't put it on airplanes and fly it out. I want someone to explain this to me because my feeble brain has a problem understanding what I just said to you. It does not compute. And now we're being told that it's reasonable. It's reasonable to give illegal aliens lawful status. Really? It's absolutely unbelievable. Here's another statement. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories. That's what we're seeing on the border, right, when they arrived in the United States. And they go on and talk about all of that. And at the end of it all, it was all about doing what? Hiding in plain sight, acquiring the materials, acquiring the money, making the connections, and carrying out a deadly attack. You want the dots connected? Ladies and gentlemen, I just connected the dots for all of you. I thank you for joining me this evening. Please share what I write at front page in US Inc. and on my website, michaelcutler.net, with as many people as you can. Get involved. Get them involved. I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Knowledge is power, folks. Again, I thank you for joining me. See you next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend.